everybody. Welcome to the special Manifest Conference edition of the Army Talk Spotlight Series podcast and live stream, which is brought to you through the support and sponsorship of 1010 Data. Today's digital supply chain demands unparalleled collaboration between retailers and manufacturers. For more than 20 years, 1010 Data has empowered retail supply chain relationships through advanced analytics, market intelligence, and data sharing. Visit www.1010data.com to learn more. And I am excited, Anne, because we're here in Vegas. Can you believe this? We made it. Yes, in person. We're in person. We're in Vegas. We're standing in front of Ludacris, a picture of Ludacris. We're at the Manifest Conference in Las Vegas. It's happening. We're all tested. You had to test to get in here. It was, yeah, we're getting thumbs up from people as we're walking by. Um, But yes, joining us is the CEO of 1010 Data, Ina Kuznetsova. Um, Ina, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so glad to come to first in person to the conference for the first time in two years. Yeah, when did we last have you on the show? I think it was like right when COVID started, right? Like early, like middle 2020, something like that. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to have you. What brought you here to this conference? The first time it's ever happened, manifest. What brought you here? Well, besides being able to do an interview in a mask. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm here to talk about two of my favorite subjects, data and supply chain. Mm. There are a few conferences that bring two of this together. So I couldn't select a better event for coming back to meeting people live. Well, and Ina, you're going to be speaking at the event. Tell us a little bit about like how those two worlds come together. I mean, what what is what impact does data have? The data, the tension data is working on on supply chain. It's been a challenging year for people. How can retailers kind of think of those two together? When there is a crisis, there is an opportunity. And the current supply chain management crisis is a great opportunity to think about long-term rewiring of supply chain and short-term ways to elevate those pains. Okay. And one of those ways is using data. Okay. And this is what we'll be talking about tomorrow at the panel. How can you use data sharing to elevate some of those pains in the short term? Okay. And to maybe add a few words about it, we all dream of this intelligent supply chain right. that reacts fast and tunes up to customer demand and is predictive. And of course, there is a whole journey to this never coming intelligent supply chain. That journey starts with establishing standards for data, getting all your data together and sharing data with other players in the chain. Because okay. only then can you start optimizing based on data and automating and applying all the modern tools. So to an extent, data sharing comes very early in the process, but it can be a very quickly achieved solution for easing some of the pains, both for retailers and for the manufacturers, for the CPG providers who sell their products in the shops. And Ina, you said something to me in particular that struck with me, stuck with me before we started this interview, which you brought the shipping aspect into this discussion, which I thought was really interesting in terms of how data can align things all the way up through the shipping process, which oftentimes is forgotten about in the forecasting process. I mean, as a retailer, I mean, shipping we talk about, but a lot of it was almost like an afterthought. How do you think about the coordination of the supply chain all the way through shipping particularly? So a lot of people at Manifest know me from my previous role of Chief Operating Office and President of Intra. Mm-hmm. So my world starts with shipping. Your world starts with shipping. <laughs> there is no way I can forget about <laughs> shipping. But on a, 
Okay. Oh, uh, wow. Freight forwarder. Right? I was, yes, I was the chief commercial officer of civil logistics. That's right. So I know containers and trucks and uh, warehouse inventory management and all the other things that I found extremely sexy because when people see boxes, <laughs> yes. I see bytes of data from my previous life. Yes. But going, going more serious, right? Um, planning demand is great, but it's only as great as you can execute them. Mm -hmm. Right. And unfortunately, there is a lot of organizations today, they have very advanced models for planning demand and they fail to take it to the next stage, mm. which is source and ship mm. on time and in full. Okay. And this is where we see the empty shelves, right? So yeah. the other side of me, a consumer comes to the store and sees empty shelves and gets upset. And, uh, I know that the CPG providers would rather not pay fines and get those products right. and get sales. And I know that retailers would rather have full shelves on time in full delivered materials uh, or products uh, rather than the fines. So one of the first steps in that journey is looking at the same data together between the retailers and the CPG providers and making sure that they can monitor the progress and collaborate and collaborate around the right products in the inventory identify frozen or orphan products early, understand what is in a higher demand and adjust shipping, right? So this is the connection to shipping. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, are there, are there like any, any examples that you can share of like somebody that you've worked with to kind of merge these two things for, for the retailers, CPG, um, and, and their, uh, them to kind of understand the supply chain. Yeah, a lot of our customers consider our work on OTF as the know-how and differentiation. So I'm very careful about disclosing that. Right, of right. course. But uh, one of the retail chains we work with was uh, very easy around um, CPG delivering things on time and in full. Okay. And now with the crisis starting, they started seeing an impact of it. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things they did to prepare for the future is introducing fines. But before you can find, and actually instead of finding, right. right, you would rather have the product. Right. Yeah. So they quickly realized that the journey starts with the full visibility and the retailer should see the same data as the CPG provider. And they should see not only what is on the shelf because that's the way, they should see how much is in storage, how much is in stock, how much is in the distribution center. Right. And decide on the plan to get it there, right? So uh, this is where we feel the data. Right. And of course, the ship is with everything else. Right, right. Well, it makes sense for both of you are looking at the same picture of what the products are. You can kind of problem solve together, I yeah. And no, no, I was gonna say, and so, and so, and so to your point, then that all, that all starts all the way up with the manifest, which again, the name of this conference, the manifest, the shipping data on, you know, how full are the ships and how long is it gonna take for freight to get from one place to the other? What does that look like? Coordinating all of that information into your systems. Absolutely. And shipping data and delays, there are currently over 600 ships waiting to enter ports. Mm -hmm. The lead time of, for uh, production in China went from 50 plus weeks to over 80 weeks, right? That, of course, changes the sourcing processes, the shipping plans, everything that needs to be optimized in the supply chain, including the shipping plans, mm -hmm. right? Including uh, the, the selection of 
shipping providers, including their risking, right? Including the choices between split shipments and full shipments, mm -hmm. right? And again, it all starts with data. Yeah, that's really interesting too, because I think from my experience too, that's not something that's typically incorporated in the demand planning models of the average inventory analyst at said retailer. Like it's just, it's just not. Um, so how do you, how do you guys actually go about making that happen then for the retailers to be able to include something like that in well, their data set? First of all, uh, it's important to understand that today it's very difficult to plan based on how we always did it mm -hmm. on the last 52 weeks of data, because there are so many powerful trends in consumer behavior that changes on the re that change on a regular basis. And in 2020, we saw a huge growth in e-commerce and we saw a huge growth of all brands related to home care. And we saw the decline of some products like to your phone charges. People, <laughs> people stopped losing them in the gym and travel. You know, right. and They're just always plugged in. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. How many charges have you lost? Right. 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 So there only so many outlets in my store. Right, right, right. Many. right. So, uh, right. So, so some of those changes were not that obvious. Mm -hmm. Another not so obvious change was pet care because people adopted a lot of animals, mm -hmm. right? So um, now it translates into much higher sale of pet food and pet care products and a much higher sale online. You know, last year, uh, if you look at uh, just the subscriptions on Amazon, mm -hmm. Pet care products doubled in 2020. Yeah, that's right. right? You guys put out mm -hmm. a study about that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, guess what? You know, they, they went 17% up again, right? So they mm -hmm. continue to grow. So there are certain trends, but then there are other trends that may be a bit more fundamental and they are not necessarily COVID related, but maybe accelerated by COVID. Mm. The growth in private labels, which are much easier for retailer to control. Is that what you think is driving it? The control aspect of it? That's why we're seeing more increases in private label in addition to the margin side, of course, but. I think it's a combination. Okay. There is a control of supply chain. There is a better margin. There is a better control of uh, sales, the marketing advertising aspect of it, mm -hmm. right? There's the whole combination. Got of it. it. Right. But we definitely see a big growth of private labels, especially in health, in uh, health, beauty, mm -hmm. grocery categories. Yeah. Two in the instant deliveries. Right. Yeah. Right. So, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. Especially yeah. produced domestically. I think that's mm -hmm. a big reason to do that. That's an interesting aspect of it, though, of private label discussion that we haven't brought into our conversation with our Talk listeners, the, the reliability of it. Right. That's a great point. Yeah, interesting. Interesting uh, area we're going private uh, labels recently is home organizing products. Yeah, right. All the boxes, right? And we've seen a huge spike again in December when Omicron started sending people back home and the plans of return to office kind of got on hold. Right. And a lot of people said, you know what? I have a New Year's resolution. I need to get that room in order. Right, right. I need to walk in this room and the junior is not going right. to school now. So we both need, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, so we've seen a huge jump in organizing private labels, yeah. right? Another interesting trend to have in mind is the growth of subscription. And subscription is a wonderful way for retailers to ensure higher loyalty. Mm -hmm. And it's also a great way for CPGs to ensure loyalty and promotional effectiveness right. and uh, understand their customer base, right? So yeah. you know, all, the, all those trends, they do influence how people, how and we, we can talk more about Let me, yeah, I wanna, I wanna, interesting subject. Yeah, I want to ask about this issue. That's actually what I want to ask you about. Like, what do you think is driving that inherently in the consumer mindset? Is it that they're home more and so they can more reliably um, bet on subscriptions, you know, in terms of being a part of their 
functioning life than they would previously or is there something else going on there like they can see that the yeah. paper is out right there and then make sure that they're ordering it instead of being at home at work yeah <laughs> like they're not worried about yeah. the overstock you know right. which comes with subscriptions right. too right. you tend to buy so much stuff that you end up like going why am i subscribing to this because i have like 100 rolls of toilet paper is is that what's happening here on the psychology front or so is there something else leading you an interesting subject All right. subscriptions on amazon grew 140 percent so two and a half times Jesus. in two years since 2019. wow in two years since 2019 100 two years plus 140 percent growth and when wow, you look and when you look at the categories right so pet care is definitely a winner right because you know i don't need to make a decision every month about friscos it's difficult enough to get at 6 a.m to give butter for breakfast right because the cat demands it early right um and then uh, beverages coffee and teas we all have our preferences mm -hmm. right so not getting that at the office anymore right. yep or right, on the way into exactly. the office anymore yeah don't change your brand of no. your favorite tea or coffee very often no. and, you know none of us like making those decisions every month right it's no. easy when it's just there there is a very interesting category for subscriptions which i would kind of highlight hmm. supplements Mm. So people like making subscription decisions about uh, the trends and habits that kind of reinforce positive behavior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if any of you made the decision, New Year resolution, I will take my supplements and my vitamins and right. I will be healthy and support my exercising regime. Right. That's what people do, right? Mm -hmm. I'll make sure those vitamins are delivered every month and this way I would not forget to buy them and right. I will take that vitamin C and zinc and B group <laughs> and whatever else that right. I'm taking. Right, so so supplements was a, a very big growth in subscription. So we think that there is a whole combination, hmm. and it's a win-win trend because retailers and CPGs win, even if they give a few points in profitability, they significantly win in volumes. Right, and uh, the customers win because they get peace of mind, reinforced positive habits, less decisions to make less issues of dealing with, with availability right and for example amazon will send you an email if your items of mm -hmm. subscription is not available and you can substitute it so right. it's all very easy and quick and no like oh i have to go to store last minute because i'm running out of exactly. my vitamin i have a, a follow-up question on that then is, is that is that rise in subscription almost solely dominated by amazon or are you seeing that trend in behavior across retail in general because it feels like and yeah correct me if i'm wrong but it feels like amazon still dominates in the the subscribe subscription offering right. yeah, relative to other retailers you don't see that when you shop other retailers right. is yeah. my think about that the right way you know or is is this more of a broad trend across all retail that everyone's benefiting or is amazon benefiting disproportionately from this trend? so it depends the, the brands that are consistent with those categories right uh, like uh, for example drinks brands kiru benefits a lot from subscription mm -hmm. you get the ipods on the, the, those the, those pods, the coffee pods the yeah pods, right mm -hmm. on a regular basis mm -hmm. um in general when you look at consumer categories usually about half to 60 percent of everything is bought through amazon when right. you dominate the space right. so much you right. probably become the start wow. of the trend but uh but we do see other brands catching up and taking advantage of it Right. And even if it's not a subscription, they're probably, you know, making that type of loyalty effort with a given retailer right. too, where they're just buying it every time, every, every month on a regular basis. Well, you know, I'm curious. Oh, go ahead. Anne. I was just going to say, I think this is something really important to be thinking about as, as retailers are kind of planning for 2022, um, still in kind of an un, uncertain time with uh, supply chain mm -hmm. and the impact of the pandemic. Um, you know, how would you, like, what advice would you be giving to retailers right now as they're kind of 
thinking through preparing the data set that they're going to be collected to give that optimal experience to both their consumers and the CPG brands that they're working with. So this goes back to original uh, question from Chris, which I oh, <laughs> All right, okay. All uh, right, where, where do you start? And you start with the data, with understanding of the trends. Yep. Because online trends are very easy to follow mm -hmm. and they show you what is happening, right? The growth of health, food, and vegan brands, the growth of subscriptions. You can replicate some of those as you think through the planning and replenishment of the stores, right? Mm -hmm. Then the second very important part is getting all your data together. And it sounds so, you know, mundane, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, we want to look at the same data, but there are certain uh, specifics to it, right? right? You want the data very granular. You don't want just that averaged, averaged, averaged on the national level. Right. At the same time, you don't want every store to have their own platform. So you want to be able to see the data both on the store level and on the national chain level and for the big chains that may become a problem right so and seeing data is not the same as just dumping all the data into a data lake mm -hmm. right and <laughs> at, at the expense of you know going too deep on the technology i would say the data has to be organized that's kind mm -hmm. of this home organizational stuff right mm -hmm. if i dump all my office things in a big box it will be difficult for me to pull yeah. out. Right? <laughs> digging for a while. Exactly, exactly. Less so time, more time spent digging, less time so you need correct Correct. I've heard from a lot of IT departments that, oh, we can get all your data into Snowflake in no time. Right? Right. Give us more resources. The problem here is that just getting your data into Data Lake does not get you closer to solving the problem. Right. You have to have the tools that allow you to sort through this data and to ask new questions and different questions, right? And if you write an application showing you very quickly how many customers bought goat cheese in the last six months, and then the marketing manager says, hmm, that's not enough. Let's look at those who bought it twice in the last eight months, and you have to rewrite the whole application. Mm -hmm. You don't have the right, answer, right right? You have to be able to run your queries and ask your questions as you go. But then there's this third element of that, which is the sharing of your data with the CPG providers. Mm. And I will mention right. that it's a wonderful way to monetize your data at a very high profit mm -hmm. margin. So the retailers should definitely think about it, but they should think about it in the right way. They need to be able to retain control of who sees what data, which of their suppliers gets what, uh, being filmed, thinking about what kind of reports are produced. It's not the same as just selling all your data to a syndicated stream. Right. It's really sharing the data in the right and controlled manner. Right which gives you a peace of mind, of course. Mm -hmm. But most important, it allows you to zero in on areas that are important. And I think there's nothing more important right now than supply chain, which brings mm -hmm. us to on time and full delivery, which means us to monitoring stock in, stock outs, which, means, which brings us to monitoring inventory in general, right? Identifying which products may not need to be restocked, mm -hmm. right? Maybe with all the changes, people don't scan baking products as much as they did a year ago right exactly right? Mm -hmm. so maybe there's the flour we don't need flour right we have yet. boxes of yeast from yes. our baking <laughs> during covid right yeah so so some of those hot items of 2020 suddenly become orphan products again so uh, monitoring that yes. and rethinking this and focusing on those few items that will give you both demand and margin will help you to sail through all this weather right now yeah, I think the point. I think the point too that I'd hit on there that you, it was a kind of an epiphany for me. And what you just said is the transparency aspect, is particularly in the supply chain with your suppliers. I mean, it goes back to the beer game. Like if you're anyone that's ever done that, right? Yes, like, exactly what I'm talking about, the right? Like, loop yeah, that, like right? the reason that game goes out of that always goes out of whack is because somebody doesn't trust the other person. And so, the point being at this conference too is that supply chain data sharing 
is so important for both parties that you have to be transparent. But your point is, get strategic about what data you want to share across those parties. Exactly. And, and remember that with the crisis today, it's not just a temporary increase in shipping prices. We will be in this problematic zone and kind of rough waters for at least another year. Yeah. So this is a great opportunity to rewire the supply chain, to rethink the approach in a more strategic manner and rethink your relationship with suppliers as a part of it and make it more data oriented and objective and working towards the same goal together. Well, you know, that's awesome. I can't wait to, uh, you're going to be on stage tomorrow and mentioned before, like what time, what time for those maybe at the conference watching this live or, or wanting to learn more about, you know, when you're going to be, you know, presenting more on this subject. When, 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 when can people expect you at the conference? It's at 1020 by Las Vegas time. It's track three for those at the conference. It's called the data sharing and supply chain. And I would appreciate you guys coming in and supporting my colleagues and me in this panel. I have wonderful uh, speakers, other speakers uh, together, and nice. uh, we will try to tackle this complex subject. Excellent. Ina, we are so glad that you could join us today. That was a blast. Um, thanks to 1010 Data for being our sponsor for all the content that we have today. That was the CEO of 1010 Data, Ina Kuznetsova, uh, and we will be back later with more. Be careful out there. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Ina.